Oh, fun one. I like it. We've got one mind thing going on. Yeah, Bev uh, got a hit to uh, write this song for today, and boy, is she right on. Is she right on with what we're going to be talking about? Yay. All right. Well, hola. Como esta? <laughs> Just back from my two weeks in Spain. I had a wonderful, wonderful time, and, and I'm sure Sundays were really fun here with Reverend Megan. On, uh, my son won one game, lost one game, and uh, we just had a marvelous, marvelous time. But I'm glad to be back with you. Glad to be back with you today as we're moving right along. March. I thought about that last night. March already. Boy, we're into the third month of the year already. And uh, we are doing our own theme this year. We are doing Awake and Alive, We Thrive. And that's our theme for 2019, Awake and Alive, We Thrive. And our March theme is Wholehearted Living. Wholehearted Living. And we're going to um, be using The Untethered Soul this month by Mar Michael Singer. If you haven't read it yet, he has a new, another book since this book, but this is a fabulous one. If you haven't read it, I encourage you to pick it up and read it. It's a wonderful, wonderful book, The Untethered Soul. And today we're talking about awake and aware, awake and aware, awake and aware. So what does it mean to be awake and aware? You know, what does that mean? We talked about it a little bit before. I've said, you know, we can be uh, the we can be awake and sleeping. You know, we can be asleep and awake. We can go through life asleep. So to be awake and aware, you know, we have the story of Siddhartha, who uh, I'm going to tell a very abbreviated story, and some of you I'm sure know it. But uh, Siddhartha was a very rich young man. He lived in uh, his father's palace. He was the son to the prince, and it was in uh, the town of what would be now Nepal. It was about 6 BC that he lived. And uh, he lived a very sheltered life. He lived a very sheltered life because he lived in the riches. You know, he never really went out of the palace much except to look through the windows. And so he lived this very affluent life, a very blessed life. He didn't have anything really to worry about. He got all that he ever needed. You know, and as he got older, he began to wonder about suffering. Why was it that people suffered in the world? And when he was 29 years old, he decided to go out of the palace. He decided to go out of the palace and to see and to learn and to see what this whole thing of suffering was all about. And he took on um, a very, um, a life of poverty. He took on an ascetic life and he traveled and he went from place to place and he was seeking and he was looking for the answers. And uh, it, at times he came near death, at times he um, hit all kinds of catastrophes, but he couldn't find what it was he was looking for. He couldn't find this truth that he was looking for. So then he made a decision to take the middle way. He made a decision to take the middle way and he decided to sit under the tree. And he decided to sit under the tree until the truth was revealed to him. And he sat and he went into a deep meditation that night, and in the morning, he woke up with the download of the truth, and he became enlightened. So he's called the enlightened one, or the awakened one, and that's the Buddha, the story of the Buddha, the awakened one, able to see, able to see. Ernest Holmes, in our Science of Mind textbook, he says, uh, the great awakening, now it is high time to awake out of sleep. The belief in a life apart from good is a dream from which we must awake if we are to taste the waters of reality which flow from the source of life. 
as one awakes from a nightmare, so the mentality awakens from the dream of a living death to a realization of eternal life. We cast off the works of darkness when we realize that evil is not an entity but a fraud. The armor of light is the truth, the very knowing of which makes free. This awakening is a process of evolution, a little here and a little there, until the whole eye is opened, and we see that life is neither separate from God nor different from good. Life is God, and good is the only power there is or can be. You know, so Ernest talks about this uh, process of evolution, that our awakening is not a sudden, overwhelming God consciousness like the Buddha had. And for some of us, we may have that. We may have that immediate, overwhelming God consciousness. But for most of us, it's a slow evolutionary process of awakening, of awakening to the truth. You know, and how do we approach this awakening for ourselves? You know, how, what do we do? You know, well, all spiritual practice puts us on that path. All spiritual practice, contemplation, meditation, uh, being in the silence, listening to that space in between. You know, Wayne Dyer calls it the gap. He calls it the gap, you know, for that second where nothing's going on, where our mind is quiet. You know, we start to practice. Um, you know, uh, to be awake and aware, to be awake and aware. You know, Michael Singer in his book, The Untethered Soul, he talks about the incessant dialogue, the incessant dialogue in our heads. I mean, are you aware of that ongoing forever, ever? Bev mentioned it in her song, you know, we're laying in bed at night and we're worried and we're worried and then we worry some more, you know? Or maybe we're not even worried, we're just driving along and we're just thinking and we're thinking, you know, boy, so-and-so, she wore a really pretty dress to work today and boy, her haircut looked really good and I wonder if my hair would look good like that, you know? And, and we just have this dialogue that's ongoing, that's constant ongoing or we have an appointment with the boss and we're like oh my gosh I wonder what he wants to talk to me about I wonder if I'm in trouble no maybe I'm gonna get a raise I wonder if he liked that last project that I did right and it's constantly going this dialogue in our mind is constantly constantly going the monkey mind it's called the monkey mind right that chatter that's going on always and always John, I'm going to ask you to play that video for us now. I have a video that I want to show you that talks a little bit about it. It's Alan Watts. He's talking a little bit about this mind. So we'll listen to it for just a few moments.
How do we leave our mind alone? This mind that is always going, that's always thinking, that's always got something going on, right? How do we leave it alone? How do we leave it alone? And, and in uh, The Untethered Soul, it's the beginning of the book. That's what Michael Singer is talking about. We begin to see that we are not the inner dialogue, but we are the witness to that dialogue. We are not our body, we are not our thoughts, we are the one who witnesses. Now, and that's the piece of this that we're going to talk a little bit about right now. You know, that thinking person that we are is not truly who we are. You know, the quote for this week is, who am I? Who am I? You know, and really, who are we? We're not that thinking. Who's watching the person thinking? Who's witnessing that thinking that's going on? We must go back of the thought to see who we truly are. True personal growth is about transcending the part of you that is not okay and needs protection. You know, Michael Singer, he suggests that we think because we don't feel safe. He suggests that we think because we are trying to make conditions okay for ourselves. He uses the example of, of being cold. You go outside and you've got your jacket on and your mind thinks it's cold. 
And then your mind says, well, it's okay. I have my jacket on and I'm going to be home in a little bit and I don't have very far to go. And your mind has all these thoughts. And what your mind is doing, it is trying to make the outside conditions okay. Because we can't control the outside conditions, but we can't control what's inside. We can't control what's inside. So we're sort of uh, having that dialogue with ourselves to, to allow ourselves to feel safe. To allow ourselves to feel safe. There is nothing more important to true growth than realizing that you are not the voice of the mind. You are the one who hears it. You are the one who hears it. When a problem is disturbing, he says, don't ask, what should I do about it? But ask, what part of me is disturbed by this? What part of me is disturbed? And when we're able to quiet the disturbance, we're able to quiet the mind. Ram Das talks about cultivating the witness. Cultivating the witness, and that's what we're talking about, a witness consciousness, that we are a witness to that which is going on within us. You know, to be awake and aware. To be awake and aware, we witness. We witness. We know the truth of the worry that Alan Watts talked about. The truth of the worry is not who we are. We are the one witnessing the worrier. So if we're able to take a step back, if we're able to look at it from a place of higher consciousness, we're able to know that it is not the truth. We are the person that is looking at it from the place of higher consciousness. We are the person that is witnessing it. We are not our thoughts. We are not our thoughts. Ram Das, in his book, Polishing the Mirror, How to Live from a Spiritual Heart. One way to get free of attachment is to cultivate the witness consciousness, to become a neutral observer of your own life. The witness place inside you is simple awareness, the part of you that is aware of everything, just noticing, watching, not judging, just being present, being here now to just notice. Such a freedom when we can get to that place where we can just notice. I've had this experience in my family of origin, you know, of going and being kind of hooked in with the stuff, the childhood stuff and all that. You go and visit the family and before you know it, you're hooked in and you're in the thing. And I remember really working on this, really working on just being an observer, really working on being a detached from all of that. And now when I go to be with my family and I'm with them and I see something going on, I go, what? Isn't that interesting? You know, I'm able to just observe it. I'm able to just observe it and say, isn't that? And it doesn't hook me anymore. It doesn't get me all riled up. It doesn't trigger me. I'm able to just be a witness to that. And there's such a freedom in that. To be a witness of something implies that one is watching and observing it objectively. To be the witness of phenomena means that one is standing apart from the situation and not identifying with it. To be detached, to be detached is probably one of the words that we would use more, you know, uh, in the 12-step in the program, the codependency and Al-Anon programs, they talk about detaching with love. Detaching with love doesn't mean that we stop loving the people, but we're no longer hooked. We're witnessing, we're detached. You know, the origin of the idea of witness consciousness started in, back in the Upanishads. The Upanishads are sacred Hindu scriptures that are thought to be written between 5,000 and 7,000, between 5,000 and 7,000 years ago. You know, so this isn't a new idea of witness consciousness. Um, 
The untethered soul, Michael says, the act of maintaining objective awareness of the inner problem is always better than losing yourself in the outer situation. This is the essential difference between a spiritually minded person and a worldly person. And he says, I'm not talking about a worldly person who's of the world, you know, but he's talking about a person who is of this world but not in this world, right? That you're able to just be, you're able to just be. The only real solution is to take the seat of witness consciousness and completely change your frame of reference. To take the seat of witness consciousness means to take the seat with inside yourself of witness consciousness. To take that seat of witness, knowing that you're not going to be triggered, knowing that you're not going to be stuck in that monkey mind, you're not going to be stuck in that round thinking, you're going to get off the hamster wheel and you're going to be able to take a different seat. You're going to sit in that place of witness and you're going to observe. Isn't that interesting? Well, look at that. Look what they're doing, right? We're gonna witness it. Look at what I'm doing. Look at what my mind is saying. Look at what's going on. Have you ever sat and really just paid attention to what your mind thinks for even a 10-minute period? It's amazing. Like little ping pong balls going all around in there, you know? It's hard to slow it down. Meditation helps. Our spiritual practice helps when we learn to be in that place of the space, of the space. You know, that Bev sang about. You know, I have a class coming up next week, March 12th. It's called The Seat of the Soul. Um, and um, we'll be doing a lot of meditation. It's a class about really going within and sitting in that seat. Sitting in that seat. So if you're interested in that, uh, please know that that's coming up and you can sign up for that. You know, every week I put a quote on our Facebook page, if you look at it, or on our website. We put the talk title and we put a quote for the week. And the quote for this week that I did use was, who am I? Who am I? Who am I? And that's the question that uh, Michael Singer asks us to ask ourselves over and over again. Who am I really? Am I the person that's thinking the thoughts or I'm the witness? Who am I? Who am I? He quotes Ramana Maharisha, Ramana Maharisha, a great teacher in the yoga tradition, used to say that to attain inner freedom, one must continuously and sincerely ask the question, who am I? He taught that this was more important than reading books, learning mantras, or going to holy places. Just ask, who am I? Who sees what I see? Who hears what I hear? Who knows that I am aware? Who am I? Who am I? You know, to ask yourself that question, who am I really? Who am I really? To be aware that you are aware. To be aware that you are aware. This is the seed of the Buddhist self, the Hindu Atman, and the Judeo-Christian soul, the witness, the seed of the witness. The great mystery begins once you take that seat deep within. Once you take that seat, once you're able to be, just simply be. So this week, I invite you to be fully aware as you go through your week. To be fully aware and fully conscious of those thoughts that pass through. And just allow them to pass through like the clouds. Just watch them pass through. Be the observer, be the witness, be the one that is seeing that which it is that you're thinking. I invite you to step into this place of witness consciousness. God bless you. So glad that you're here this week. Glad to have you here. Thank you. Thank you.